Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Life, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened, and we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged, and we love you. God bless. Welcome to week four. What on earth am I here for? I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you've chosen to worship today, and I'm glad that you've chosen to gather in fellowship with other believers today at, at LifePoint Church. I'm so glad that you're here. Um, if you're just joining us uh, on this journey uh, that we're, we started, now, this is now week four, um, it's, been, it's called Live Your Calling. In week one, we said that every one of us, all of us, you, me, have a calling from God. We have a purpose from God for being on this planet. And two weeks ago, we, we said that the first purpose that we have on this life, the first calling from God is to be loved by God. How many know that God is passionately in love with you? How many know that God is passionate about who you are and, and, and has great purpose and plan for your life? So the first the, the first calling is to be loved. To be loved and then return that love in response to God's love, to return it to Him. And we call that worship. And then last week we said that we're not only called to be loved, but we're called to belong. We're called to belong to God's family. And God calls His family the church. We're called to belong. We're called to be loved. We're called to belong. And today we're going to talk about we're called to become. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you at 8 years old, at 10 years old, knew what you wanted to become in your life? Like, if you're me, you wanted to be an astronaut. You wanted to be a professional baseball player. Who, who, who had something in your mind when you were young? Um, how many of you actually became that? I, I wanted to become a professional baseball player. And there's not, yeah, you, you actually have to be skilled to, to do that, and I didn't have all the right skills. Well, I'm going to tell you that God has something He wants you to become, and that's what we're going to talk about today. If you've got your Bibles or you're following along on version, you've got your bulletin, it'll be on the screen behind me. One of the key passages of Scripture that we've talked about and will continue to talk about during this series is Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. And it says this, We know that God causes everything, look at somebody say everything, to work together for the good of those who love God. Now, that doesn't mean that everything that happens in life is good. Is that correct? But how, isn't it amazing how God can cause things to work together for good to those who are called according to whose purpose? His purpose. Called according to His purpose for them. For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to become like His Son. You might want to circle that. Become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn with many brothers and sisters. See, there's these purposes, these callings that we've talked about are building blocks. We're called to be loved and to love God back. That's worship. We're called to be part of a family. We're called to belong. And now, if you're taking notes, write this down. My third calling is to become like Christ. We're called to be loved by Christ. 
We're called to belong to Christ. And now we are going to become like Christ. Now listen, you can't be God. I know that's a big shock for some of you. You don't get to be God. But you can be godly. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. Now, I grew up in in a tradition that godly meant how short your hair was and how long your sleeves were and how you looked. But I'm going to talk to you about the condition of your heart. Like like in my church, you couldn't be godly and have pink hair. (laughs) Just telling you. She knew I wasn't going to go all the way through today. and not. See, what being godly really is, is being more like Jesus. The Bible calls them the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, understanding, self-control. Hey, could we spend a lot of time on self-control? We're not going to just today. See, what godly really means is spiritual maturity. And I'm going to tell you that this is a, um, it's not a very popular sermon. It's not a very popular message. Because to become spiritually mature, it requires something of you. In, in the New Testament, five different times, God compares becoming godly, becoming spiritually mature, to running a race. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Running a race. Any long-distance runners in the house? One, to run the marathon of maturity, the marathon to maturity, we're going to give you eight, eight things, eight things to do this morning. You ready? So listen to me. I got to go. I got to go quickly. Okay. Cause I, I, I know how y'all are at, at 12, 15. You're going to be like throwing things at me. So we got to go. Here we go. Number one. In order to run the marathon to maturity, the first thing i got to do is simplify my life. Let me tell you what that means. It means i got to clean out the clutter. It means there's stuff in my life that shouldn't be in my life. Now, that, that's going to look different to, to different ones of us. It, it, it may be your mind that you got to clean out. It might be your schedule, your calendar that you got to clean out. It might be some relationships you've got to clean up. But in order to become more like Christ, you've got to clean out some of the junk. You've got to rid, get, get rid of unnecessary baggage. We're going to talk about that. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us a little bit about that. Verse 1 says, let us strip off anything. I want to circle that word anything if you're taking notes. Anything. Now, here's what the, the original Greek of that word anything, you know what it means? Anything. It actually means any weight. Strip off anything or any weight that slows us down or holds us back. And especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up and let us run with patience the particular race. I want you to pay attention to that phrase. The particular race that God has set before us. Listen, if we're going to... To travel and and run this race towards spiritual maturity, you and I have got to let go of some stuff. We might have to let go of some weight. Have you ever seen a a, a marathon? You ever watched the Peachtree Road Race? 
Have you ever seen anybody run in the marathon with a parka? Have you ever seen anybody run in the marathon with combat boots and blue jeans? You know why? It's too much weight. It's awkward. It's cumbersome. But can I tell you, we'll try to run this race with all this baggage on us. And I'm telling you that if we're going to run this race of spiritual maturity, we've got to get rid of some of the weight. What does it look like? For some of you, for some, maybe I should say it like this. For some of us, it may have to do with our calendar. Man, I, I haven't even read this book that they're going through on Monday nights, but it's called The Best Yes, the ladies are going through. And I, I have learned from just listening to them that there's some things that you can't say yes to everything. Because you say yes to everything, you're not going to be able to fulfill God's plan and purpose for your life. And your calendars are so busy, your schedules are so busy, that it's, it's now, instead of being a tool, it's now a weight. And can I tell you, if you're too busy to run this race, if you're too busy to run this marathon toward maturity, you're too busy. Well, Dwayne, I, I can't because of work stuff and school stuff and family stuff. Listen, this may sound cold and heartless, but there's nothing in your life more important than what we're talking about this morning. Nothing. So some of you may need to clean up your calendar, clean up your schedule. He said, and those sins. Listen to me, you guys know I'm not a, I, I'm not a beat you up about what's going on in your life kind of preacher. But how many of you would agree with me that when there's unrepented sins, when there's habitual sin in our life, it's a weight. And, and if we allow that stuff to simmer in our soul, then it's going to weigh you down. You're not going to be able to run this race. You're not going to be able to run this race with habitual sin in your life, with unrepentant sin in your life. Now, Dwayne, you're you're being legalistic. No, I'm being realistic. That's how it works. When we have sin in our life, it, it, it blocks our fellowship with our Father. And you're not going to be able to run this race with those weights, with those sins. And listen, he said, and run with patience that particular race. That particular race. In other words, you've got a race. And it... It may not look like my race. You've got a a race and a purpose and a plan. And it may not look like Donna's. It may not look like Mikey's. You've got a plan. And and listen, some of you are so busy trying to fulfill everybody else's expectations of you that you're ignoring your own race. Run your race. Let me tell you what that looks like practically. When we first planted, I don't know if I've ever been so proud of my wife. there was, we had a lady at our church that was very expressive in her worship. And there was another lady at our church that was not so expressive in her worship. And one day after church, this very expressive lady went to the non-expressive lady and said, said listen, man, if you really want to worship God, you've got to do it like I do it. And I'm telling you, run your race. If, if you... If you worship expressively, hallelujah. I'm glad that you do. And you have liberty to do that here. But listen, if your worship is a bowed head and a closed eye, you have liberty here. Because you're running your race. I'm not trying to be like somebody else. I'm trying to worship the Lord how He's called. Does that make sense? Is that resonating? Run your race. So here's the question. What's holding you back from running your race? What do you got to get out of your life in order to say yes to God? What do you got to get out of your life in order to focus more on Christ? What do you got to get out of your life? What do you need to drop? What do you need to say no to so you can say yes to Jesus? 
That's number one. Simplify your life. Simplify your life. Look at somebody and say simplify. I almost sounded like I was in the Marine Corps. Two of you got that. Number two. All right, number one, simplify my life. Number two, don't get impatient. Don't get in a hurry. There's a reason we call this a marathon and not a sprint. Because how many know this is a lifelong marathon? Because I want you to become more like Christ, but here's what you need to know. You're never going to get there until you see his face. There are no finished products on this planet. You with me? I, I, uh, I like to watch, you know, so I said the word watch, the Peachtree Road Race. Um, and, and it's cool because if you've ever watched it, you'll notice at the very front, they've got the world-class athletes. Guys that could win the thing, right? And, and, and so they start. Behind them are guys like Daniel, you know, that run in high school and that have, that's going to turn in a really, really good time. And they're going to let them start ahead of all the other yahoos behind them. Am I right? That's how it works, right? So, and every year there's always some guy that started drinking too early on July 4th that's going to cross that line on a full sprint. And guess how far he's going to make it? About 100 yards. And then he's going to be sucking wind. He's not going to make it. You know why? Because it's marathon, not a sprint. Now listen, we, we can't do the same thing spiritually. I've seen people that, that find Christ and now they're going to go to every conference and read every book. And, and, and can I tell you, um, you don't need to get impatient with your growth. <laughs> Pace yourself. Hey, let, let me explain this like, like this. There, there's three years in a man's life that he grows more than any other year. The first, not necessarily in order, Okay. First year I'm going to tell you about is the year after high school. We grow more at the year after high school. I, I put on 15 pounds the year after high school. The second time is the year we get married. Guys, how many of you know that the year you got married, you put on some weight, right? Please don't tell me I'm the only one that put on weight the year I got married. See, I'm convinced that there's a nerve ending on your ring finger, your left hand, that's attached straight to your gut. But you know what year we grow more than any other year of our life? The first year of our life. Your body weight will double the first year of your life. Aren't you glad that that trend stops? <laughs> All of us would need a whole row to ourselves. Now listen, you don't, there's no such thing as Instant maturity. In fact, the passage we just read said, let us run with patience the particular race. God's doing a work in you, and it takes time. Salvation is instant. Maturity takes time. You know how long it takes God to build a mushroom? You know how long it takes God to grow a mushroom? Somewhere between, depending on the kind of mushroom, somewhere between six hours and six days. You know how long it takes God to grow an oak tree? 60 years. So my question is, you want to be a mushroom or you want to be an oak tree? The church, we talked about it last week, the church will teach you how to be spiritually mature. Listen to me. We can teach you how to be a man of God. 
We can teach you how to be a woman of God. We can't teach you how to do it quickly. Salvation's instant. Maturity takes time. So what do you want to be? What do you want to do? (laughs) Here's what I want for you. Here's what I want for me. Forward progress. I want to be more like Jesus tomorrow than I am today. I want to reflect His glory more tomorrow than I do today. And that's what I want for you. I want you to grow closer to Him, more closer to Him tomorrow than you are today. Every day, growing closer to Him. And here's... And Mikey, on, on the video announcements, was talking about our connection card. That's why every week, on the back of that connection card, there's some kind of next step for us to take. Like this week, it talks about a passage of Scripture to memorize. It talks about doing your best to come to, ch- to church for the rest of the series. There's always a next... And I, I, I don't know that I can stress this enough. We've all got places in which we need to grow. All of us. And we've all got another step to take. We've all got another step to take in our walk with Christ. The idea is for progress. And, and it's talking about time. Now, here's the deal. This brings us to number three. Number one was simplify my life. Number two is not to get impatient or get in a hurry. Number three is to spend time focusing on Jesus every day. Every day. Every day. Look at somebody and say, every day. I'm going to tell you something that I think you already know. We become like those we spend the most time with. I had a friend several years ago from the United Kingdom. And we would go to lunch. And the waitresses would say, can you just say something? Because of his thick British accent. They just thought it was the coolest thing, his thick British accent. So I said, let me ask you a question, Paul. I said, if I go home with you to England and we go out to eat, are all these people going to think my accent is cool? Like everybody thinks your accent is cool here? He said, nope. (laughs) They're going to think you're a hick. And I said, well, that's not very nice. He said, so much so... Now that I've been here for a little while, when I go home, they call me redneck. Because my accent, my dialect has changed, and I sound like you. I say, you don't sound anything like me. But how many know we become like those we spend the most time with? Here's what Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from start to to finish. Listen, if our goal is to become like Jesus, please hear this. You cannot become like Jesus without spending time with Jesus. If he's a stranger to you, you can't reflect him. You can't pick up his character if you don't understand his character. If you're not spending time with him, you're not going to be like him. And so I'm just going to ask you a question. I want, well, can we all promise to be honest here? Have you ever, in your devotional life, now we, we talk about this a lot, but you know, we want to we read scripture, we want to pray regularly. In your devotional life, in your attempts at, at spending time with God every day, have you ever ridden a roller coaster where you'll do pretty good for a little while and then not so good for a little while and then pretty good for a little while and not so good for a little while? Hey, raise your hand if that's you. Okay, so let's take a little pressure off because that's about everybody in the room. 
So I want to talk to you about a couple of practical things that you can do to, to help make this part of the, the marathon a little more manageable. Because I'm going to tell you, I, we have a great church here. But what you find and what you experience on Sunday morning isn't enough. <laughs> Ooh. I don't like that kind of silence. What you get here on Sunday morning is not enough. So I'm going to give you a couple of things that you can do. First of all, don't beat yourself up because you're not doing it an hour on Sunday. Or an hour every morning. Now, because, have, have you ever done that? Okay, I'm going to get up an hour and a half early. I'm going to spend an hour reading the Bible and praying. And, and then that lasts about an hour. Now, obviously, the more time you spend with the Lord, the better. But, but I, want you to, I want to take a little pressure off of you for just a minute. I, I want you to hear me. Here's how powerful Jesus is. If you'll spend five minutes with him every day, five minutes every day, it'll change your life. It'll, it'll, you'll, you'll start to look more like Jesus with five minutes a day. And I'll, I'll tell you, I'll give you a little, little secret. If you'll spend five minutes every day pretty soon, it won't be enough. You want to hang out with him more and more and more and more and more. But if you'll commit to five minutes a day, five minutes a day to pray, read some scripture, find a good devotional book. If you'll, if you'll start there, five minutes a day, seven days a week. If you'll start there, can I tell you that God will begin a process of you becoming more like Christ. And then... Find a particular place. How many of you have a place to meet Jesus in? I, I've got a couple in my house. Those of you that have been to my house on small group night, most of the time I sit right there on the end of my couch. Well, that's my spot. And, and I've got to tell you, so we're, my wife and I are going to need some counseling because she's infringing on my spot. See, I told you we need to meet with somebody after church. That's my spot. I, 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 the, the sun comes in there and, you know, in, in, the, in the morning time, and it's just, I can see outside. It's a beautiful spot. Now, if it gets too hectic upstairs, I got this chair in my office downstairs. I just, I, I can sit there, and I can put my coffee down, and, and I can spend time with the Lord right there in that big blue chair. In my office in here, I got, I've got this beaten up old love seat in my office, and I can sit there in the corner of that love seat, and I, and I meet Jesus there. So I'm telling you, to find a place, a quiet place, a quiet place. I was talking to somebody not too long ago, and they said that the quietest place in their house was their bathroom because they got a bunch of little kids running around. Okay. Go, go to town. But it ought to be a habit. In fact, Luke 22 says it like this about Jesus. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives to pray, as usual. It, if the Son of God found it necessary to pray in a place every day, how much more do you and I need that? Mark six thirty one. I love. I, I did. A, I did a whole sermon on this passage where Jesus said these words: "Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place." Come with me by yourself to a quiet place. So here's what I want you to, here's what I, I want you to, to hear in, in your spirit, man. 
the Son of God, the Savior of the world, is, is crying out to you every day, come with me by yourself to a quiet place. Spend time with me by yourself in a quiet place. And listen to me. Now, we, I, most of us, or a lot of us around here grew up in a, with a Pentecostal charismatic background, but I'm going to tell you something that you need to do in your quiet place is to shut up. I, I'm not, I, I, pray, pray out loud. Read, but take some time to just shh. You know, I've learned as I'm getting older that Christ has a lot more to say to me than I have to say to Him. So I'm telling you that just a few minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes a day where you you, you open God's Word, you, you talk to Jesus, and then you stop and get still and quiet long enough to just let Him speak to your heart. Listen to me. Well, I don't, I don't hear Him say anything. If you don't hear anything on Monday, guess what? Show up at the same place Tuesday. I've never, ever heard God turn away a hungry heart. Mm. The more time you spend Him, the more you'll look, the more you'll look like Him. There was, a, there was a time in the Old Testament, and you should read it, um, Moses went away on, on the top of a mountain for weeks. For weeks. And when he came back down, the Bible says that his, the, his face shone with the glory of God. So much so that the people had to put a veil over his face because they couldn't handle the reflection. Now Paul talks about this in the New Testament. And he says, and he kind of turned it around a little bit. And he said, all of us have had that veil. But we were blinded by it. Instead of it being a reflection, we were blinded by it. And the only way that veil was removed was through the cross of Christ and the blood of Jesus. And here's what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. All of us have had that veil removed so that we can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. And as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like Him and reflect His glory even more. Your job and my job is to reflect the goodness of God and the grace of God and the glory of God to a lost and dying world. And the only way we're going to do that is the same way Moses did, is to spend time with Him face to face. You become like who you spend the most time with. Maybe you're here and you, like I, grew up in, 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 a, in a Pentecostal, charismatic type of background. And, I, and, and I, I'm not being critical because I lo- I, I'm as Pentecostal as anybody in this room. I, I, I love the fact that God still speaks to our hearts and that, and that God, He's still a miracle worker. He's still a, uh, the, the Holy Spirit still speaks to our hearts. But here's what we've done. And some of you that have grown up will, in, in that kind of experience will, will recognize this. We place so much emphasis on an experience. Well, if we can just get to the right church and we can go to the right revival service and hear the right evangelist and we can go to the right conference or we can go to the right uh, retreat or we can go to the right, to the right youth camp or camp meeting and, and get in that environment, then, then, then that, that'll, that'll change us. And, and can I tell you, that can be the catalyst for change. But if you leave something like that, if you leave the experience without following up with what we're talking about today, guess how long it's going to last? Not long. Not long. Maybe 
Maybe that's what you're chasing is that experience. And, and, and listen, I love the experience. And I'm so thankful when the Spirit of the Lord deals with our hearts. But can I tell you that we must follow the experience with time. Come with me by yourself to a quiet place. You must follow it with that. You with me? All right. Here we go. Simplify our lives. Don't get impatient. Don't get in a hurry. Spend time focusing on Jesus every day. And listen, when life gets hard, remember the reward. How many of you would agree with me when I say that sometimes life can be hard? Is that, is that true? If God's goal is to make us like Jesus, and the Son of God was on earth, and He experienced betrayal, and He experienced loss, and He experienced loneliness, what makes you think and what makes me think that we're not going to experience some of those same, same things? See, maybe, maybe you've heard that if you follow Jesus, you'll never have to worry about not being healthy, and you'll never have to worry about having a financial struggle. You'll never have to worry about having a, a relationship struggle if you follow Jesus. Well, can I tell you, that's not been my experience. Jesus said it like this, in this world you'll have trouble, but I've overcome the world. So maybe instead of asking God why when all this stuff happens, maybe we should learn to ask Him God, what are, you, what are you trying to teach me? Because I'm going to tell you that if we're in this world for very long, and some of you have experienced it, there's going to be loss, and there's going to be betrayal, and there's going to be loneliness. And, and I'm going to tell you not to be surprised when it happens. Here's what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Jesus did not give up because of the cross. And, and listen to me. You're never going to have to experience anything like that. On the contrary, because of the joy that was waiting for him, he thought nothing of the disgrace of dying on the cross. And he is now seated at the right hand, right side of God's throne. Think of what he went through, how he put up with so much hatred from sinners. So don't let yourself become discouraged. See, life can be hard sometimes. There are times of loss. There are times of hurt. There are times of loneliness from time to time. But aren't you thankful this world is not your home. I love this passage in 1 Peter chapter 5. After you suffer for a short time, God who gives all grace will make everything right. Come on, that's good news, somebody. He will make everything right. He'll make you strong and support you, keep you from falling. He called you, there's that word again, to share in His glory in Christ, a glory <clears throat> that will last forever. God didn't promise an easy life on earth, but here's what he promised. That he'd walk with you. Romans chapter 8, verse 17. Since we are his children, we will share his treasures for everything. Now, now I, I want you to get this. For everything God gives to his son, Christ, is ours too. Now, that makes you want to shout, right? That's good news. Everything God gives to his son, Christ, is ours too. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Which brings us back to our, our memory verse, our, our, our verse that we started our service with today. And this is what I want you to memorize this week. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. I want us to say it together. Read this with me. It's on the screen behind me, isn't it? Yes. In all things, God 
works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Say it with me again. In all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Just one more time. In all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. So listen, in those moments of loss, in those moments of desperation, in those moments of, of, of loneliness and hurt and betrayal, remember this, in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Will you memorize that this week? In all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Get it? Good. Get it? Good. Yes. All right, number five. Gather a team to run with me. God never intended for this marathon to be something you do by yourself. There's an African proverb that says, to run fast, run by yourself. To run far, run with others. We read this passage a lot of times in our, at, at, at LifePoint, but I'm going to read it this morning. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 say this, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. That's our job, by the way, is to encourage one another. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Let us encourage one another as you see the day approaching. Encourage one another. Say those two words, one another. See, we talked about this a little bit last week. We need to learn how to be a one another to each other. It, let, let me give you an example. When, when Joy got a message from somebody she didn't know, we missed you at church, that's somebody being a one another. When people reached out to Clint when he lost his dad on Facebook, man, we're praying for you. That's being one another. When he showed up at, at, the, at, the, at the viewing, and just you don't know what to say, do you? Somebody loses a loved one like that. You don't know what to say. But you know what? A, a, little, a, a little hug and a little handshake goes a long way because you're being a one another. Yes. Hey, can I just tell you this? We need more of that. Yes. We need more of each other being one another's. Yes. That's horrible grammar. But it makes sense, doesn't it? Yes. Let's learn how to be one another's. And, and listen, let me tell you what this is going to... I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here right now, but you're going to hear me talk a lot more about small groups in the coming weeks and months, especially after the new year. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I, I love this. And I, man, I, I love it on those Sundays when we come and there's a bunch of people here. That's not today, but we, I love it when we come and there's a bunch of people here. But you know my favorite thing that we do as a church? It, it's when we meet in small groups. When, you know, you guys come to my house or we meet somewhere off campus or we go to a restaurant together and we just spend time and do life together. And that's, I find strength. When you're our pastor, you're not supposed to need strength. You, whatever. I find strength, I find encouragement. When we meet together in small groups, if, you know, if you've never been home Wednesday night, that's, some, that's one of the most encouraging groups of people on the planet. We just meet together and love on each other and just look at God's Word. And, and it's just, if you're not coming on, on growth groups on Sunday mornings, you need to come. Because when we meet in those small groups, it just, that's where we do life together. So you're going to hear a lot about that. 
in the coming weeks and months. We simplify our lives. We don't get impatient. We don't get in a hurry. We spend time focusing on Jesus. When life gets hard, we remember the reward. We gather a team to run with us. And listen, we remember that God is cheering us on at every stage. I want you to hear me. Spiritual growth is a process. And maybe you're here and you think, well, Dwayne, I'm, I'm, I'm not as advanced in my walk with Christ as so-and-so. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm here, but I'm not where this person is. Well, first of all, you need to stop comparing yourself to somebody else. You need to run your particular race. Because I want you to understand, and I've told you my story before, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I had a, I had a distorted view about what God's expectations of me were as a, as a young Christian. That God expected that once I gave my heart to Him, that, that all of a sudden every thought was pure and every, every action you know, looked like Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, I wasn't like that when I first gave my heart to the Lord. Oh, by the way, I'm not like that now. That, that from that day till now, God is still molding me and shaping me. So whatever part, wherever you're at on your marathon, on your journey, God is celebrating you there. Well, Dwayne, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a brand new Christian. And I'm, I still got this going on and I still got that going on. And uh, Listen to me. We, we went over and saw Greg and Shauna Johnson's grandbaby this past weekend and you know what nobody gets mad at a week old child when they poop their pants if you're 35 it's a problem you with me now i probably shouldn't have walked down this road on this analogy but we've all spiritually no I can't even go there. But here's what you need to know. Is God celebrating you wherever you're at? But here's what we want to do instead of admitting that we've we've all pooped our pants, instead of admitting that we we've all got places to go, instead of admitting that we've we're we're messed up and that we we're we don't have our stuff together. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to get around Christian people and put on a mask. We're going to get around Christian people and play like everything's okay. Because I've got to make everybody believe that everything's okay. Well, let me just let you in on something. Everybody knows you're not okay. So stop. Take the mask off. and Be real. You can't be real in a big group, but you can be real in a small group. Take the mask off. Quit trying to be somebody you're not. If you're struggling, have somebody that loves you, that will pray for you, that you can share those struggles with. How about you take that energy of putting those masks on and trying to make everybody believe you're okay when you're not and focus those on spending time with Jesus. And guess what? That's when you get okay. It's okay to not be okay. But, not okay to stay that way. And the only way we're not going to stay that way is to take off the mask, be real, spend time with Jesus. Here's what Philippians chapter 3 says. Y'all know what it means when a pastor looks at his watch? Nothing. 
Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. You know who said that? The Apostle Paul. You know how much of the New Testament he wrote? Two-thirds of it. And here's what he said. I keep working toward the day when I'll finally be all that Christ Jesus saved me for and wants me to be. I'm still not all I should be. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and he said, I'm still not all I should be. If he can say it, you can say it. I can say it. That's why I stand here all the time, and I tell you that Dwayne's still got issues, and Dwayne's still, and God's still working on Dwayne, and God's still molding me. And, and, and if you're not okay with that, listen, you go find some pastor that will lie to you and tell you he's perfect because he's not. I know them all. No, I'm still not all I should be. Oh, isn't it good news, though? I'm not who I should be, but I'm not who I used to be. Maybe the, this is the analogy. You ever watch your small children or small children in general participate in recreational athletics? It's comical. It's funny, you know, T-ball, somebody looks up and actually makes contact with a baseball, and there's nine, if it goes to third base, there's nine third basemen, everybody runs toward the ball. So I, my kids grew up playing sports and doing different activities, and, and I remember this one time, I don't know if he'll even remember this, Mikey, for some unknown reason decided, I think it was his 10th grade year, that I'm going to run cross country. Why? No offense, Daniel. He said, no, I'm going to do this. And, 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 and so I'd go to his meets. And cross country is different than the other meets because you watch them start and then you eat nachos for, you know, 20 minutes while they're running. And we were at George Walton in Monroe. And... Mikey, you know, ran off with the crowd, and, and, and I knew his times, and he was, he's not, he was not coming back when I thought he should. And I see him off in the distance, and he's, he's hobbling. I find out later that he had rolled his ankle off, of, uh, off the path and was, was in a lot of pain, and he's hobbling. He's trying to finish the race. And, and let, me, let me tell you what did not go on in my head. Hmm. Well, he's not going to win. Goofy kid, twist his ankle. You know what dad's heart was doing? Was hurting. Because my son was hurting. And listen to me. When you step off the path, turn your ankle a little. God's not throwing those lightning bolts you think he is. You know what he's doing? He's calling to you with his heart. I love you, son. You stepped off the path. Won't you let me put my arms around you and get you back on? That's who our father is. Yes.
sometimes sometimes I, I get so frustrated with my own actions, my own attitudes. My voice sounds raspy today because I spent about four hours yesterday screaming at the top of my lungs for some unknown reason. And I think about, I'm sitting here and I'm trying to preach and, and here's what's going on in my heart and my mind. I think about all the times that I stepped off the path. And I'm thinking about a loving father that loved me so much to draw me back to himself. And so here's what I need you to know. If you've stepped off the path, if, if you're not where you think you need, that you, you think you need to be, Can I tell you, the God we serve longs for you to run in His arms. Let Him him dust you off a little and point you in the right path. Thank you, Lord. Somebody needs to bow your head and just thank the Lord for His goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Simplify our life. Don't get impatient. Don't get in a hurry. Spend time focusing on Jesus every day. When life gets hard, remember the reward. Gather a team to run with you. Remember God's cheering you on at every stage. And take every step with purpose. You guys know me, and I'm not a, I'm not a, a, a preacher that's going to stand up here and tell you all the things you're not supposed to do. I heard somebody say one time, if we'd concentrate in God's Word about, if we'd spend our time doing the do's, we wouldn't have time to not do the don'ts. Did I say that wrong? Okay, you got it, right? But I I need you to hear this. If you're going to run this race towards spiritual maturity, there's there's some things in which you're going to have to deny yourself. There's some things that everybody else can do that you can't do because they'll kill you. They'll set you back in your walk with Christ. There's things that you can't do. Here's what uh, 1 Corinthians 9 says. All athletes practice strict self-control. They do it. We just watched the Olympics. Anybody like really get into the Olympics? Better than the competition, you know what I love? I love the backstories where they're talking about these gold medalists. And how they started when they were three. And and in some ways it seems like, well, I wouldn't want to do that. They spend eight hours a day in the gym from the time they're three. Eat nothing but kale. Drink nothing but water. Don't have any friends. Just live in a gym. Eat salad. And that's their life. But here's here's what Paul's telling us. That... We must also practice strict self-control. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. One day that gold medal is going to be useless. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run straight to the goal. This is the part I wanted to get to. With purpose in every step. I'm like a boxer who misses his punches. I'm not like a boxer who misses his punches. I, I want to have purpose in every step. Hebrews 12 says... Lift up your tired hands and strengthen your trembling knees. 
Keep walking on straight paths so that your lame foot may not be disabled, but instead be healed. He's telling you to keep on a straight path. Don't be tempted by a crooked path. Don't be tempted by a crooked path. Don't look for shortcuts. Stay on the straight and narrow prize, narrow path. Had for that goal. Hey, listen. How many know that all of us got a limp? None of us in this room are perfect. I got physically. I've got a limp. I think it came from me. I, I hurt my back when I was twenty something, and now people are always saying, "Dwayne, why are you limping?" And so I have, a, I have a, just a natural response now. I said, I'm not limping, I just walk funny. <laughs> we all got a limp. And, and listen, if we're, all, if we're already struggling, then we need to stay on the straight path because when we get off the crooked path, we've got a tendency to get hurt even more. In the race of life, we must stay on the straight path. Now listen, your crooked path may look different than mine. But I'm going to tell you, it, it, just like God is drawing you toward Himself, how many know you got an enemy that would love to draw you away? Yes. That would love to draw you down a crooked path? I'm going to tell you this. Keep your eyes, keep your feet on a straight path. All right. Almost done. Last thing. Remember this. you got a next step. Is your next step going to be on the straight path? Or is it going to be on a crooked path? Realize this. Last thing, number eight. Realize that what I don't finish, God will. You're going to be a finished product one day. There's going to come a day when you, the Bible says, we'll see Him as He is and we'll be like Him. There will be a day when we really will be like Him. Philippians chapter 1 says, I'm sure that God who began a good work within you will continue His work until it's finally finished on that day. What, what a day will that be when all of our weaknesses are gone, all of our flaws, all of our faults, all of our blemishes, all of our fears, all of our addictions, all of our sin, all of our habits, all of our frailties and frustrations are gone and we're perfect. See, all of us can make this statement. I'm not who I should be. But you know what we could add to that? I'm not who I should be yet. Now, I'm not telling you to stop working toward that goal of becoming more like Christ. I'm telling you that you're not going to get there until you see His face. What I don't finish in my lifetime, God will. You might struggle in this race. We all have. You may stumble in this race. We all have. But your race isn't over. And that's good news. In in closing, Don's going to come, and I want you to listen to this. In this place called Life Point, you're loved here. And listen, you belong here. And listen, you can become what God has intended you to become. If you'll do the first two. If you'll recognize His love for you and return it back. That's called worship, we said. If you'll connect to the family of God, it's called fellowship. Then and only then can you become what God's called you to be.
and to do. So Dwayne, is, is Life Point full of perfect people? No. Here's what Life Point is. Life Point is a place where you can become. Period. That's what this series is all about. So all of us together are committed to helping each other finish the race. I'm committed to helping you. You commit to helping me. And together we'll become more like Jesus. Bow your heads with me. I want you to leave this morning with with your next step in mind. See, for some of you, it's for some of you, it's 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 a complete surrender to the person of Jesus. If you haven't done that, then we're, as we pray, man, I'd, I'd love for you to just ask the Lord to come into your life, forgive you of your sin, surrender your life to Him. For some of you, it might be baptism. Maybe you're baptized as a child. And, you know, you you recently made a new commitment to Christ. And and you want to let the world know that you're part of the family. Maybe that's, that's a next step for some of you. Maybe a next step is uniting with our church and membership. Maybe you've kind of watched things from a from the sidelines and maybe that's your next step maybe for some of you it's committing to those 5, 10, 15 minutes a day spending face to face time with Jesus maybe for some of you it's finding your place in service at your church maybe for some of you it's taking off the mask being real with somebody and getting involved in a small group I, I don't know what your next step is but I know everybody in the room has one and so when I pray here's what I, I want you to do I want you to pray with me and I want you to ask God this God what's my next step God if I'm going to become more like you what do I, what do I need to do next what's my next step Pray with me now. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for this series that's taught me so much. Thank you that you're revealing purpose and plan in all of our lives. God, there might be someone here that's beginning a new walk with you today. They're, they're, they're surrendering their life to, the, to you today. Hey, if that's you, here's what you're going to do. You're going to say, Jesus, come into my life. You're going to repent of your sins. Let me tell you what that means. That means you agree with God that the way you've been living is wrong and His way is right. You ask Him for forgiveness, and He will. And then you're going to turn from those sins. And you're going to commit your life to following in the footsteps of Jesus. That's really what that's all about. So if that's you, then... I challenge you to do that this morning.
Father, in Jesus' name, we pray that you help us simplify our lives. Help us lay aside the clutter and the weight that's dragging us down, the sin that's entangled us. God, I pray you give us patience, that you're working on us, that you've got a plan and a purpose and you're working all things out together for our good. God, I pray that today you give us a challenge to spend time with you every day. God, that you would bring to our remembrance day after day the importance of having a daily time with you. God, help us to remember when life gets tough. God, that there's a reward and that there's nothing that we'll go through on this planet that we won't won't have you to lean on and that you won't go through with us. God, help us to remember that it's important to have people around us, people that love us, people that are, are encouraging us to go forward in this marathon toward maturity. And God, thank you that regardless of where we're at, you're cheering us on. God, help us take our next step, the step that you're revealing to us right now, to take that with purpose. And God, help us to remember that at the end of this race, you're going to perfect us all. Father, I pray for everyone in this room. God, that you do a work in our heart. Help us to remember the importance of spending time with you, modeling you, being more like Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Hey, I, I know it's late, but just, just, take, just take a second or two and just thank you for his goodness and his grace and his mercy. It's called worship, remember. Just love on him. Thank you, Jesus.